0: This chapter in James begins a, a new discussion. Um, you know, the temptations and trials that are common to all, but especially to teachers. Teachers are pointed out as being especially subject to sins of the tongue uh, and to misunderstanding truism. So in this first part of this book, he gets into that part. So we, we're looking at two temptations in this chapter. Number one is misusing the tongue. How many of y'all out there will, will readily admit <laughs> that you've misused your tongue since you've been born again. How many of y'all really admit that sometimes you say stuff that you wish you could have back? How many of y'all ever said something that got you in deep trouble? huh? Uh, even uh, maybe growing uh, uh, growing up uh, as a teenager, uh, you got to a point to where you thought you actually knew a little bit more than mama and daddy. And you challenged their wisdom with your mouth. And some of y'all got up off the floor holding your mouth. <laughs> but the, the, the sins of the tongue are are too num- numerous really to even <laughs> to, 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 to preach a sermon in 45 minutes over but it is something that the Bible specifically says that we no man can tame and we can't do it by ourselves. We're going to we're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to help us. Can I get a witness? And so um, we're going to delve back into this book. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go back to the third chapter uh, and we'll take a look at um, uh, starting at. The, I think we left off at verse number 13. So that's where we'll pick up our reading. Um, But we said on last week, not, we shouldn't be anxious to become teachers because teachers are going to face a strict, ju- stricter judgment from God. Because whenever you're in a position where you're imparting biblical knowledge and revelation knowledge, uh, you have you could act, you could easily lead someone astray. Right. And so uh, James advises none of us to be in a hurry to be a teacher or be an imparter of the word of God, preacher, teacher, uh, small group leader, whatever you want to call it. So it's critically important that we realize that although this is a noble uh, gifting, uh, don't run to try to get into that position because you're going to be judged with a higher standard. Amen. Is that correct? Is that, is that correct? All right. So uh, don't don't do stum- don't don't be in a hurry to be a teacher. Know that the, the tongue stumbles and sins often and that the tongue is a, is a little member boasting great thing and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And number five, we said the tongue is a restless evil, according to what the scripture says. All right. So we get into this second temptation here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this a little bit. And I'm gonna talk about how sometimes we get into a position where we uh or uh, what I wanna say, we get into this position where we are uh misunderstanding and twisting true re- wisdom. And that's what James gets to in this second half of this this third chapter. Let's go and read. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Okay, watch that. Can you read it with me out loud on purpose? From the NLT, it says what? If you are wise, prove it, an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, all of us should know by now that wisdom flows from God. As a matter of fact, James said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraided not. In other words, if you seek and desire wisdom, God is not going to withhold that wisdom from you because he wants you to know what to do. He's not a God that's trying to trick you. and and confuse you so that you don't know what's right and what's wrong. He actually wants to impart wisdom, but wisdom comes when we seek it diligently. They that hunger, Brenda, and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God will fill us when we have a hunger and desire and and we really want to know. Because how many of y'all will be willing to admit there are times in your life, even as a believer, where you said you wanted to know God's truth, but you really didn't? Because you were feeling a certain kind of way about a certain situation and God's truth, amen, contradict the way you were feeling. And so because God's truth contradicted the way you were feeling, you tried to change God's truth to line up with the way you were feeling. Correct. All right. Somebody did you bad, did you wrong. And, and so you were kind of feeling like you wanted to get them back. Right. Right. And then you came to church and your pastor told you vengeance belongs to the Lord. He'll repay. You leave it alone. You didn't really want to hear that, did you? And your pastor also told you, oh, pray for those who are despitefully using you. All right. But you were feeling a certain kind of way. And because you were feeling a certain kind of way, you didn't want to hear what the pastor said. Although the pastor was giving you wisdom from the word of God, it didn't line up with the way you were feeling. Right. Anybody ever been there before? Your pastor told you, "Okay, I know you, 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 you your, your husband and wife, y'all are having this issue there." But you know what? Uh, here, Here's what I need you to do, husband. Here's what I need you to do, wife, based on what Scripture says. Okay, Scripture says pray for him. Scripture says pray for her. Live, live holy in front of her. All right. But no, pastor, I need you to tell me to tell her what she needs to do. Anybody ever been there before? And so we go back to the wisdom of the word. The word has the ability to transform us, but there are many times we ignore that wisdom. So we get into this. He says, he says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. OK, go to the next verse. Let's read. It says what? But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Read it again. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't come up the truth with boasting and lying. Verse 15, let's read. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom, right? Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, so let's see if we can do some unpacking here right quick. Okay, let's go back to this 13th verse and let's chew on some things that I think can help us to have greater wisdom and understanding from the Holy Scriptures, okay? Um, Some of the teachers to whom James was writing in this particular letter didn't understand the meaning of true wisdom and knowledge, okay? And some of them were acting unwisely as it relates to... um, uh, you know, how a, a believer who's given the word of God should act. And I think I put in your outline, some of the teachers to whom James was writing didn't understand the meaning of truism and knowledge. Some of them were acting unwisely and, and about as empty-headed as a person can act. <laughs> Yet they thought they were wise and knowledgeable, okay? A wise and knowledgeable teacher will demonstrate two traits, and I want you to just jot these down. A wise and knowledgeable, knowledgeable teacher will demonstrate, demonstrate two traits, okay? Uh, number one, they're going to demonstrate the trait of good behavior and conduct. Good behavior and conduct. Everybody say good behavior and conduct. All right? I'm going to read verse 13 from the King James Version. It says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Let him show, let him show, let him show, let him show, let him show. It's, it's, it's one word in the Greek and it's, and it's an emphatic word. It's strongly emphasized. This means that the, the, that the wise teacher will strongly show forth these traits that we're going to talk about. These two traits here. number one, good behavior and conduct. Okay. In other words, if you are a wise teacher, uh you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna act in a certain way now nobody is perfect mind you nobody lives lives in such a way that they don't they don't from time to time fall into sin or maybe do something that's out of god's will will everybody admit that now when I say that i say that but but i, I don't want you to use that as an excuse for living in sin there's a difference in living in sin and falling in sin. Living in sin implies a lifestyle, a a a way of living that's common, that's noticeable, that people can look at it and see that's your pattern of living. Well, when we look at this, we talk about the traits of a, uh, a, a of a of a, a person who's walking in wisdom. Uh, they should uh, they should if they are a wise teacher. It says, doing good works with, with, with the humility that comes from wisdom. That person will have good behavior and good conduct. Okay, uh, and, and really, when you think about that, that should be true in any field uh, of uh, any field that somebody decides to take uh, take up as as a career choice. Amen. Uh, we we should uh, we should follow our own advice. Okay, if I think about this for for a second. Let's just say you went to a doctor who supposedly specialized in weight loss, okay, or a dietitian that specialized in weight loss. All right now, if that and if that dietitian was supposed to specialize in in good nutrition uh, that that causes you to have you know uh, proper weight and 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 whatever, what if you went to him and he was five hundred pounds? Would that instill very much confidence in you? Going to a guy who's telling you how to lose weight, but he hadn't done it. No, it wouldn't, right? Uh, And so uh, what if you went to a teacher in school who's teaching English and wants to teach you how to write, teach teach you how to articulate words, but they're splitting their verbs and they're misspelling their words right? You wouldn't have very much confidence in that teacher, right? Same applies to those who are teaching the gospel. Although none of us are perfect, we shouldn't have a lifestyle that contradicts the things that we're teaching. Because if we do, what's going to happen to the person who's out there listening to us? They're going to lose confidence even in the words that we're saying, even though the words that we're saying are true, they're God's word, then that person will have the, the tendency to tune us out and not listen to us even though we're bringing truth because our conduct and our behavior doesn't line up with what we're teaching. Are y'all with me today? Okay. So uh, when when, when a, a wise teacher teach, he, he'll have uh, traits of good behavior and conduct. Amen. That's the first thing I want you to just jot down, good behavior and conduct. Um, as, as a matter of fact, I want you to turn with me right quick uh, let's look at a couple of passages of scripture, OK, because, you know, in the eyes of scripture, the truly wise and knowledgeable teacher is not a person who has all kinds of facts and uh, theories and speculations and notions in his mind. Somebody who can maybe quote uh, 50 verses in 20 seconds or whatever uh, that that's not what we should be looking for. OK. Uh, we should be looking for somebody, a teacher who is a good person, who who's moral and just and who's loving and caring and a person who lives what he knows and lives what he teaches. OK, in other words, we should have a lifestyle that's indicative of what we've been teaching. OK, so go if you go with me, if you will. Uh, let's let's go over to uh, to first Timothy, the third chapter, first Timothy, chapter number three. and Let's look at verse number seven. All right. So in this part of this book, the second temptation that he's telling these teachers to, get to watch out for is misunderstanding and twisting true wisdom. All right. So look at what Paul, who's writing to his young protege in the ministry, his young son in the ministry by the name of pa- uh, Timothy. Timothy flowed in the role of a, of, of a pastor. He was a young man pastoring a group of people. And look at what Paul told him. Paul says, also. Well, I don't want to start in the middle. Of it. Let's go back to verse number one. if you We'll go down to verse number seven. Start at verse number one. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. Verse two. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. Now, elder here is, is a spiritual leader in the church. He says his, he must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control live wisely and have a good reputation. That's what a spiritual leader, an elder should have. And uh, he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. That's what it says, right? Verse number three, let's go. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome and not love money. All right, because the love of money is what? Verse four, watch it. It says he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Now, what Paul is giving Timothy is the qualification of those who will flow in the area of of an elder, a spiritual leader. Amen? Y'all still with me? For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Read that with me again. Back up with that. For if a man cannot what? Manage his own household. How can he? How can he what? Take care of God's church. Elder, bishop, overseer. Okay. Pastor, if you want to put that in there. That's same same semblance. Okay. Uh, Next verse. Let's read. An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil will cause him to fall. Someone who just got saved shouldn't be in the spiritual leadership position because he still has to grow and develop as a believer. Okay? Now watch this. Uh, next verse. Also, people, watch this, here's what I want to get to. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In other words, uh, this 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 elder, this spiritual leader, the one who's teaching, the one who's giving out word, has to have not only a good reputation in the church, but he has to have a good reputation outside of the church. Is that what he's saying? Read it one more time. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him, so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. You don't want your spiritual leader, your teacher to have a reputation uh, that's, that's less than stellar out there amongst those who we're trying to reach, okay? You don't want your pastor to have a reputation out there amongst those people who we're trying to reach or people within the church. Y'all listen to me today, okay? If you will, turn with me again. Uh, let, let's go to that fourth chapter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter four, uh, and let's look at verse number 12. All I'm saying, what I'm trying to give you is words that, that solidify and and firm up the fact that a teacher, a man, one of the traits of a teacher is he should have good behavior and good conduct, such that his reputation uh, is above reproach. Not that he's sinless, not that he can't make a mistake, but he shouldn't have a lifestyle of messing up, a lifestyle of sinning, a lifestyle uh, that that says this person don't really know the Jesus who he's talking about. Okay, look at First Timothy four and twelve. Read. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Paul telling Timothy again, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith and your purity. Watch this. Now, again, remember, Timothy was a young man pastoring older people. All right. And so Paul is saying, listen, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. All right. Be an example to all believers in what you say. You don't have to be old to live right. How many young adults do I have in the house? How many how many y'all under 40? Raise your hand. You're under 40. See, you're under 40. You can live right. Hello. You don't have to wait until you get old and foggy to start serving Jesus right. You can be a young adult. Come on. A young adult and not have to be ratchet. Are y'all following me now for those of y'all who don't know what ratchet means go look it up <laughs> just because you are a certain age doesn't mean here watch this that you come to church on Sunday singing the choir but during the weekend on Saturdays and on Friday night you got to hit the club scene that Paul told Timothy, listen, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Y'all got me young adults. I, I said young adults, so y'all have me. I said young adults, so y'all listen to me. All right, middle-aged adults, so y'all listen to me. Come on, you, you 40 to 55 years old. Uh, 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 when do you get your AARP card? All right. Huh? Okay, when you get 50. Okay, so so for, for my definition, okay, middle ages, 40 to 55. All right, middle ages. Middle ages. You don't have to live ratchet either, amen? Senior citizens, golden vessels, 55 and over. Do y'all hear me? You can live right too. Amen? So all of us need to be trying to do it the way God wants to do it, Right? Come on, get a lot of hand of praise. Amen? All right. So he tells, he says, don't let any one thing lessen you because you're young. You know? Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. Are y'all still tracking with me? Okay? Now, this is critically important uh, because we need to realize that, uh, that we have a responsibility. Let me give you one more and I'm going to jump to my next point. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. Let's go to verse number 12. Because he's telling them, you know, we don't, as a teacher especially, we don't want to, and even if you're not a teacher, but you are born again believer, you don't want to have, you know, the second temptation is misunderstanding and twisting true wisdom. First Peter chapter number two, and let's look at verse number 12, okay? Look at what he's saying now. He says, be careful to live properly Watch this. Among your unbelieving neighbors. Listen to what Peter says here. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. How many of y'all live in a neighborhood where you got people who you know aren't saved? I mean, pretty much if you live anywhere, you you live around somebody who who doesn't know Jesus. Hopefully you've built you know your neighbors are and have had a chance to have a conversation to to kind of unpack and discover where they stand with the Lord. Because I believe that God will have you in a a neighborhood and he'll have you to be an influence in that neighborhood that you live in. But what he says is be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, come on, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Y'all got that? Look at it again. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give you honor to God and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Okay? Y'all still with me? All right? Now, uh, verse 13, just for good measure, and we'll keep moving. Verse 13. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. Watch this. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state, Or the officials he has appointed for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Verse 15, let's read it. It it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Now, watch this. Let's park there for a second. See, here's why we need to live honorable lives. We don't need those who out there in the world saying stuff about us. That's true. Okay. See, sometimes we mess our own testimony up. People are by nature skeptical nowadays. All right. So we don't need to be living in such a way that they can accuse us of doing stuff. And it's true. If they say something about you, let it be false. And I'm here to tell you, you, you say, well, brother, pastor, if we live honorably, who will say something false about it? Babe, let me tell you something right now. If you're living for Jesus, the enemy is going to send folks to lie on you. If you're living for Jesus, people, people will misunderstand you. Are you listening to me? It is God's will. It is, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those, ign- those ignorant people who make foolish accusations. Against you. Read the next verse just for good measure, okay? For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Verse 17, watch this. Respect everyone. Stop. What does it say? Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Respect everyone. Now, listen, this is really important because. Even if you're a teacher or a non-teacher, you are a believer. And all of us as believers have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, all of us who are saved have been given a charge to, to share with and to try to reach others who are not saved. So in doing so, we got to make sure that we respect them when we go to them. When you're dealing with unsaved people, one of the things that turn unsaved people away from your testimony, if you go out there judging and criticizing and condemning them. We have a responsibility to go to them and do what Peter says here, respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. OK, we don't have a king, but we got a president. I said we don't have a king, but we have. Oh, y'all say it out loud. We have a what? President. All right. And so the office. Of the president, whether they're Democrat or Republic, that office should be respected. I got two amen. (laughs) See, now now we, we get into the heart of the matter. Here's what scripture says. Here's what scripture says. Fear God and respect the king. We don't have a king, so we got a president. We have a governor. You have a mayor, right? You have a commissioner, you have a a a a a school board member, you have a whatever political office that is there, uh you respect that office. That's what scripture says. Are y'all with me? So uh as as a believer, and the scripture also says pray for those who are in those positions. So when's the last time you prayed for those in those positions? I need to I need to hear you. I need to hear you. you, you it's important that we obey the word because the word of God gives us the wisdom. All right. So respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Y'all got that. All right. So first trait of 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 a one who's walking in wisdom and teaching uh, in a wise way is, is 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 to have a trait of good behavior and conduct. Second trait is is a trait of meekness. Everybody say meekness. Now watch this meekness. Uh This word meekness in its root word means to be gentle, to be tender, to be humble, to be considerate, but also to be strong. Because, see, sometimes we think meekness means weakness. And Jesus was meek, amen, but he still has strength and power. See, meekness is strength and power under control. Amen. Meekness is strength and power under control. You could knock them out, but you don't. Hello? See, Jesus had strength and power under control. He could have called 10,000 angels down and wiped everybody out, but he chose not to. Because he had a, he was on assignment from God. Okay. So the second trait is the trait of meekness. Meekness has the strength. Amen. Uh, to control and discipline uh, the one who it's, it, it embodies, okay, and it does so at the right time because meekness has an humble state of mind. Everybody say humble, okay? Uh, meekness has a strong state of mind, and meekness has strong self-control. Those are things that that embody that characteristic of meekness. So one who's 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 wise has, those, has the trait of, of good behavior, good conduct, but they also have the trait of meekness on the inside of them. Okay, that, that the meek teacher controls his spirit and his mind. He controls the lust of his flesh. He he doesn't he doesn't give way to to, to retaliation and give way to things that you know get up and try to teach something to to, to gig somebody. He he's he's under control, right? Look, watch what the scripture takes. I'm going to give you several scriptures we want to go to because meekness is critically important uh, for us to have in every aspect of our life. The the first one I want to go to, y'all know it. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse number one. Let's go there real quickly because this is important for us to have meekness because when we go to help a fallen brother, a spirit of meekness is critically important for us to have. Okay. Uh, As a matter of fact, let's go to the KJV on this one, Galatians 6 and 1. We'll go to the KJV on these particular scriptures, okay? It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fall, y'all have heard this one before, right? Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Paul is writing to the saints in Galatians, he's writing to the church, and he's telling this church that if somebody falls in sin, somebody messes up royally, we who are walking in wisdom should go and restore that person How? In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All right. Now, go with me, if you will, to uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number one through three. Ephesians four, verses one through three. The trait of meekness should embody each one of us. OK, in our walk with the Lord, the trait of meekness. Watch what it says. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord Paul is talking beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith what you are called. Who's talking here? Who's he talking to? The church at Ephesus. He's talking to saved people. He's talking to church folk. He says that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Verse number 2. Let's read it. With all lowliness and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Verse 3 says what? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of priests. I want, I want peace. I want to read two and three from the NLT right quick. It says, Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. Now, let me ask you a question Have you ever had trouble being patient with people sometimes? Is that, does this impatience rise up in you sometimes? Um, I mean, people who you're around all the time, people you live with, do you ever get impatient with them? Okay. So what does this say? It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Do you ever get impatient with people in the church? Mm -hmm. I I, I suspect you do. Do you ever get impatient with me? You probably do from time to time. Uh, be, I, I still love you, though. That's okay. Okay, We're going to make it. Be patient with each other. Look at what he tells us to do. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Uh, how, what does it mean, Sister Maria, when he says making allowance for each other's faults, what does that mean to you when, when they say that? Talk to me. If you're going to make an allowance for my faults. You ever, you ever made any allowances for my faults? You've been married to me for 34 years. Have you ever made any allowances for my faults? Do I even have any? How long do I have? <laughs> you ain't got for two seconds, okay? <laughs> have you ever made allowances for my faults? You think so? you being nice? Okay. You have made allowances for my faults? What does that mean? What does that look like? She says she overlooks. I choose to. You choose to overlook it. Yeah, and it's not like I don't address it, but it's, I don't hold you, I, I see what you could be. See what I could be. <laughs> and not what time. And not I am at the time. <laughs> she says she see what I could be and not what I am at the time. So she made allowance for my fault. And in other words, when, when I had a fault, Basically, she didn't throw me away. Jab, you know what I'm saying? She didn't throw me away when I messed up, and I made allowances for her faults. So when she messed up, I didn't say I want a divorce. You don't really have any, okay? Jesus, it, don't please don't strike. But that's what it means to make allowances. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. In other words, there there, there are some times, guys, when you rightfully so, if justice would have had your way, you could have nailed them to the wall. But you chose to show grace and mercy. Because all of us need some grace and mercy from time to time. Am I right about it? None of us in here uh, really can live a day without grace and mercy. He says, "Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love." Verse three. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Says, "Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace." All right. So, y'all with me there? Okay. Um, uh, Let's look at look at one more here. Let's go. Uh, Go with me if you will to Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Let's look at that right quick. All right, so meekness is what it tells us is uh, is a trait that that we should embody, uh, all of us should embody. Look at what the book of Titus says. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, To be ready to to every good work. All right. Verse To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Can we read that out loud on purpose? Ready? Read again. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. I, I, I like the way the NLT puts it. It says they must not Verse 1 says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Okay? And look at verse 3 just for good measure. Verse 3 for good measure. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Stop right there. How many of y'all remember the days when you were bound up in, in sin? And you were enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season? See, sin can be pleasurable for a season. But guess what, baby? That season, when that season is up, that stuff that you thought made you happy make you just as miserable as all get out. The enemy will love nothing more than to get you out on a limb and saw it off. Uh, that's that statement I, that I read. I, I shared it with y'all before. I said, Ten sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're you, you going to want to pay. Can I say it again? Ten Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Because the enemy... The enemy will package things that make it look attractive and to, to entice you to go after. But when you go out there, when he gets you out there, he's going to break you down, okay? Are y'all with me now? All right, so again, uh, we, we once too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to, to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Look at verse 4. Let's go. It says, but, everybody said, but. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, text says he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And now that I have that new birth and that new life through the Holy Spirit, then I need to make sure that meekness is a part of my character and my makeup. Are y'all with me? Power, strength under control. Amen. We got to make sure that we are walking in that. Let's get back to James right quick and let's try to finish this this chapter out. Okay? We get into this next part, James chapter, go go back to the third chapter, James, and let's look at um, 14, start at verse 14. Glory to God. James chapter three, verse number 14. Are y'all still with me? Watch what it says. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Verse 15 says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are un- earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Let's read. Next verse. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, again, he's, what, he, what he begins to do now in this 14th, 13, sorry, the 13th chapter, but 14th chapter in the chapter he begins, 14 verse in the end of the chapter, he begins to talk about what false wisdom looks like. Okay? If I say false wisdom. Because we know true wisdom comes well from above. True wisdom comes from God. God will give us the wisdom to know how to live this life down here. But if you're not careful, uh these teachers that James were addressing were misunderstanding and twisting true wisdom. And he begins to address that issue with that. Okay, there's a false wisdom and wrong teaching that comes from this world system, and it shows us. Uh, you know, this this this, this uh, particular passage begins to talk about that because this false wisdom of this world, if you're not careful, will get all of us wrapped up. This false wisdom of this world will, will tell you, you know, uh, you know. Uh, get rich or die how trying or something like that you know some of that stuff that we we would hear in some of these songs and stuff that that would cause us to think that it's okay to live a certain way the false wisdom of this world will tell you well you know everybody's doing it everybody's cheating a little bit so you cheat a little bit too the wisdom of this world will tell you well you know let's you know you lie on the application nobody's going to know the world the, the world will tell you it's okay to do certain things but what we find out in the scripture, when those things that the world is telling us contrary God's word, we can't go with it, child of God. Amen. No, no, I want you to just jot some things down right quick because the false wisdom of this world, a uh, false wisdom uh, and wrong teaching would, would do some things. Number one, it will cause bitter envy and jealousy. It, it, it'll cause bitter envy and jealousy to rise up. Okay. OK. Whenever somebody is a teacher or a minister or, or leading a church and there's there's envy and jealousy, there's some false wisdom that's that's rising up. OK. There are teachers, ministers and, and lay people alike who are envious and jealous of other folks. They they envy and jealous of their, their church and what position they hold. You'd be surprised at, at people who get mad at a church that a church is growing uh, and 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 that church is saving lives and is meeting the spiritual needs of people and people will get mad that folks went to that church and that church growing and maybe their church is not growing as as, as fast or maybe maybe not growing at all and they'll become jealous and envious of that church and then look to find out what's, what's, what's all wrong with that church. I don't know why we do that but if somebody is getting saved, if somebody is getting helped and they're getting blessed, more power to them. But when there's false wisdom, false wisdom will cause you to, uh, you know, uh, be envious and jealous because of the, the church size and uh, because of uh, somebody's preaching and teaching ability, amen. Because of that person is, is leadership is being recognized, uh, maybe on a, a local or national level, and maybe you you laboring and doing a good job, but anybody call your name? Envy and jealousy uh, will false wisdom will produce envy and jealousy. OK, too many ministers and teachers in the others because of those type things, because of the charisma and the attention that that guy is getting. Listen, do, you know, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever God is for you to be in right now, do the best you can right there and stop looking at what somebody else is doing. Are you all with me? OK, so so false wisdom produces envy and jealousy. OK, Um false wisdom and wrong teaching will also produce a spirit of strife in your heart it'll produce a spirit of strife in your heart whenever you find yourself envying or or uh, talking about something or somebody who you know nothing about you got to check yourself and see what's in your heart especially when it comes to ministry when it comes to 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 church uh false wisdom amen Will, will, will produce a spirit of strife in your heart, okay? Strife means friction or, more accurately, selfish ambition. It'll happen in the church. You start feeling a certain kind of way because, uh, about somebody because, you know, she led, Danny lead more songs than anybody. How come I ain't leading no song? Everybody said that's false wisdom. It ain't fair. What's fair about leading a song? Maybe you can't, maybe you can't really sing that well. Okay? And maybe that's not your gift in the lead, but strife rising up in your heart and you pointing at somebody else who's been a blessing, that's false wisdom. Because false wisdom will have you saying all kinds of stuff. All right? If you count the number of songs that you lead versus what somebody else lead, there's some false wisdom in your heart. Choir member. Hello? So strife in your heart, false wisdom produces. Um, watch, watch it if you will. Go with me. Uh, go with me to uh, Philippians two, verse three and four. Hurry, I got to move. Philippians uh, chapter two, verse three and four. So if there's strife and envy in your heart. Watch out. There's some false, some false wisdom that's producing that. Okay, because that that wisdom of this world, which produces jealousy and that kind of stuff. It'll convince you that you're right. It'll have you thinking that you're on point and everybody else is wrong. Nobody understands. All them folk in the church ain't nothing to them. That's kind of where we're talking about. All of them are wrong, and, and I am right. That's that's that false wisdom that's producing that. Watch what Paul says here. He says do not be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Is that what it says? Look at verse four. Let's read it. Watch this. Watch this. Don't look out only for your own interests. My song, my preaching, my prayer, my this, my position. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. What? In others, too. Guys. Uh, um, one more um, go with me uh, to Proverbs 20 verse number three I like this one Proverbs 20 verse number three and while you're on the way there uh, just write down false wisdom would also produce a spirit of boasting and self-glorian boasting and self-glorian if you find somebody boasting. And boasting don't even have to be out loud. Sometimes it's in your heart. God sees your heart. Boasting and self-glowing, you're talking about what all you've done. You got to be careful. Watch what this text says. Proverbs 20, verse three. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Can y'all read that with me out loud and on purpose? Everybody say, come on, let's read, ready? Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools, have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who insists on this arguing all the time? The Bible says only fool, only fools insist on arguing or quarreling. It's a mark of honor to just, hey man, Listen. Until we cool down, we can talk about this with level heads. I, okay, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to pray. And I need you to pray. Because we're not going to sit here and yell at each other. See, that's wisdom. But a fool, no, we're going to talk about it right now. We're going to, no, right now. Let's, let's get it out on the table. I got something to say. Do y'all in, 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 y'all kind of like that. Anybody, anybody in the house kind of like that? All right, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling, okay? Uh, go to Proverbs 26 and 21. I got it. come on, hurry, hurry. Proverbs 26, 21. I told you number three, false wisdom produces a spirit of boasting and glory. And boasting doesn't necessarily mean that a person goes about boasting out loud. It refers more to what a person feels within his heart. If you follow false wisdom and false teaching, you go to focus on yourself. It's all about you. All about you. What you're not getting, what you need. Watch this. A, quarrel, a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers like charcoal or fire lights wood. Watch this. A cor- are, you the t- are you the one in that church? Are you the one in that home? Are you the one in the family that when something jump off, you're going to be there? It seems like fights and quarrel and disagreement always revolve around you. You better check yourself and find out, am I full of false wisdom? Am I, am I thinking of myself more highly than I ought to? Because it says a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as, y'all know what an ember is, right? All right? As, as, as easily as hot embers like charcoal or fire lights wood. Okay? Make sure you're not that person. So, again, boasting and self-glory. Uh, write this one down. F- false wisdom and wrong teaching will cause you to lie against the truth it'll cause you to lie against the truth, okay? To lie against truth because he's he's dealing with these false teachers here and the false teacher false teachers are inconsistent with the word of God. Okay? He's not living it he's, and he's not teaching the truth. He's living a lie and teaching a lie, okay? False teachers also is is, is inconsistent with in, in, in what he what he teaches and he does. Not only is he Uh, inconsistent with the word of God, he's inconsistent with what he teaches and what he does. So you got to watch out for that, okay? Next thing I want you to jot down about what false wisdom produces. Glory to God. And it's important that we recognize this. um, False wisdom is the scripture says it is it is earthy. In other words, it's it's sensual. It's uh, it follows the nature of man. So, just put false wisdom is earthy, it's sensual. It follows the nature of man. Are y'all still with me? I'm just giving y'all these because in, 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 my time is running out. But. But let's go, go go back with me to James, the third chapter. And let's, let's go down to the end of this chapter. And we're going to complete this, okay? Because false wisdom will produce discord in the church. And we got to make sure that we don't allow that to, to come in and have a place in this body, okay? Is everybody with me? Look at verse 15. It says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, okay? Jealousy and selfishness, jealousy and selfishness. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You'd be surprised at how this 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 uh, this false wisdom will permeate a church and it will cause disruption because somebody uh, doesn't recognize that they're walking in it, okay? He says, but the wisdom from above, watch this, and this is the last point, the true wisdom. The wisdom from above, is first of all, pure, okay? Uh, it is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and w- willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. The wisdom from above is pure, right? And it, it says it's, it's all. It, it's, it's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Verse number 18, that's one. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Read it out loud. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness, okay? So when true wisdom comes from above, it's evident in a church, it's evident in the church because although no church is perfect and although we'll always have, uh, you know, uh, because we all we're human beings, there'll be some semblance of disagreement uh, in the way we see things. But when we allow the wisdom from above to, to permeate throughout the church, it'll keep discord and, and dysfunction out of the church when you don't allow false wisdom to rise up on the inside of you and cause a spirit of boasting to come come into place. When you don't allow uh, the, the false wisdom to rise up in you and cause discord and, and, and disgruntleness to 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 permeate in your heart, and then ultimately you end up influencing somebody else. When you when you bring wisdom down from above, which is God's word being taught consistently in your mind and down in your heart and it takes root there, it'll cause you to keep that spirit of that false wisdom at bay. And that's what Paul, that's what James as he closed up this chapter tells us here is that and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. We need people who are walking in true wisdom in the church. Okay. And true wisdom doesn't come by watching talk shows or judge shows. True wisdom don't come by some stuff on television. True wisdom comes from God's, amen, revealed truth that's in his word. And when you allow this word to to govern your thoughts, it'll keep you, amen, uh, walking, amen, in a peaceful way. And so uh, I want to encourage each one of you all as we finish this third chapter, make sure that you uh, take into consideration some things that will help you be a, a, a person of peace and not a person who causes discord in whatever environment that you find yourself in. God wants to use you to be a transformer. He wants to use you to help transform the environment that you're in, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, in your home, whether it's on your job, whether it's in church, whether it's at school, whether it's at a public function. God wants all of us to be peacemakers. Amen? And that comes when we allow the true wisdom of his, his word to have its proper place in our heart. Amen? Y'all got that? Okay, give the Lord a hand of praise. We're going to stop on that okay?